0: disruption
1: zone opportunity lives where the status quo dies talking to the greatest innovators disruptors and off-the-wall inventors we can scrounge up you laugh you'll learn you'll be inspired now here are your hosts Leland Conway and Cameron Mills
0: all right um you know we've been watching the news with what's going on in Afghanistan and um I've talked to a lot of Congress people. I wanted to do this episode because of the background of this congressman, Mark Green from Tennessee. Um, He was part of the Night Stalkers. Um, He actually not only fought in the war on terror, he was involved in both Afghanistan and Iraq. And, in fact, in Iraq, he actually was part of the team that captured Saddam Hussein. And get this, he interrogated Saddam Hussein for six hours. So this this interview with a Congressman was unlike any other Congressman interview that I've done before because of his his insight into world affairs, his insight into the war on terror. So I I just want to get out of the way here and bring you this conversation with Congressman Mark Green from Tennessee. Before I do, real quick, I want to thank Louisville Cabinets and Countertops for their support of our program. They have been such great friends, and I gotta tell you, they're you know, Tim Montgomery, the owner We became friends after I was a customer of his because I grew to respect him and his work ethic, his team's work ethic, the way he runs his business, the way he looks after his customers. That's the kind of business I want to do business with. And uh, so we were customers of theirs twice. They actually did our kitchen in our home in Oldham County as well as our bathroom. A master bathroom, and they did a fantastic job. I would have them work on my house again in a heartbeat. And so, if you're thinking of redoing your kitchen, now's a great time. If the interest rates are low. Probably gonna start going back up again pretty soon. So, you know, jump in there now. Maybe take advantage of some equity you have in your home. Get that kitchen you've always dreamed of. If it's a do-it-yourself, or excuse me, if it's a turnkey remodel, like you don't have any handyman skills, you just want them to come in and do everything. Even if it's complicated, like you got to move walls around and. Appliances around, they can do all of that. They can take care of everything for you from A to Z. Their designers on staff, Michelle, Kelly, George, that's what they do. So I encourage you to give them a call at 502-930-3304. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they've also got cabinets in stock. I'm talking just about every style you can come up with, high quality, super affordable, ready to go. And they've also got, you know, laminate countertops ready to go that can cut for you right away. Uh, If that's what you need or any type of stone surface uh, you can order from them. That'll take a little bit longer than ready to go, but they're, they, they will get your order taken care of any type of hard surface. We went with quartz. It was lower maintenance, a little more expensive, lower maintenance. We loved it. You might want granite or whatever, whatever you want. They've got it for you. Okay. So go to Louisville cabinets and countertops or 6200 hit lane in Louisville, right on the border of Odom County in Louisville. If you're in Southern Indiana, central Kentucky, Louisville area, Oldham County, this is your place. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. All right, now our conversation with Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee. Congressman Green, first of all, welcome. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for popping on with us.
1: Yeah, Leland, thanks for having me on the show.
0: Um, I want to get into Afghanistan because I know that that you fought there, um, and you're you, this whole situation, this whole debacle has just been atrocious to you. But before we do that, I just want to dive into the Night Stalkers. You were part of that elite special unit. Um, you have an amazing background when it comes to the war on terror. How do the night stalkers work?
1: Well, the night stalkers, if you'll recall, and there, there'll be some folks, uh, you know, with a little grayer hair that will remember when Carter <laughs> attempted to go get the uh, Iranian hostages, we had an elite counterterrorism force and assault force that was trained to do that mission, but we didn't have av- aviators that could fly them in. Right. And tragically, in the deserts of Iran, a uh, helicopter ran into a refueling C-130, yep. burst into flames, and, and we lost some uh, some warriors. So the Army came back from that. The after-action review said, we have to develop a special operations, night-capable, and this is back before, you know, night vision goggles were even coming around, um, and they developed the Night Stalkers uh, right at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, uh, and for the longest time, of course, they were classified, and uh, Black Hawk Down sort of brought them into the into the sunlight. Uh, at least their, um, you know, existence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and wound a, up being their flight surgeon.
0: A lot of our, and when you talk about Fort Campbell, Kentucky, that's that's my home ground. There, born in Kentucky. Um, a lot of, you know, I've read that book, Delta Force, I think, which was, you know, kind of centered around that a lot of our special forces kind of grew out of that catastrophe in Iran, did they not? I mean, it was kind of like a kind of a come to Jesus moment for the military and a recognition of the changing, um, you know, landscape of how we were going to have to deal with problems in the world. And that's kind of where that whole idea of quick strike forces that were supremely qualified came in, isn't it?
1: Well, it it was evolving out of the ending of uh, you know the Vietnam War, uh, and I think we actually had that organization prior to the uh, the hostage crisis. Uh, a great book that, that talks about the formation of that uh, organization is Shadow Warriors by another Tennessean who helped assemble and build that unit, Carl Steiner.
0: Okay, definitely going to look that up and read it because I love this stuff. We had uh, a couple days ago we had Jack Carr on who fought in Afghanistan as well and now writes political thrillers. Um, he was a Navy SEAL. So, and, and you also, I think a, a lot of people in Tennessee know, but I'm just kind of fascinated with this and this part of your background. You interrogated Saddam Hussein. You were part of the group that captured him. You spent six hours with the guy. What was that like?
1: Yeah, it was really, uh, honestly, surreal. Uh, I couldn't believe I was in there. I tell people, I think I know what it's like to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Although you know somebody wins the Super Bowl every year, but I, I you know I got to be a part of this very elite U.S. military team hunting a totalitarian dictator. We found him, captured him, and brought him to justice. And you think back in history, you know we we never caught Hitler, we didn't catch Cole Pot. You know Stalin was never brought to justice. Um, you could argue maybe Manuel Noriega, but he doesn't he doesn't even you know hold a candle to Saddam Hussein. Uh, And I got to be there And and interrogate him On the night of his capture
0: I read a book about his sons um, And it was really eye-opening To how cruel That whole family was But This is going to be Like a weird question But I'm going to ask it anyway Because There have to be people Wondering it As evil a man as he was In that six hours Of being face-to-face with him Was there anything at all That humanized him?
1: Uh he did ask which way was Mecca and uh, turned and prayed, although he didn't bow, you know, he just sort of stood there and and prayed toward Mecca. I guess potentially that could, he was very charming throughout the interview. I remember specifically reminding myself, Mark, don't become enamored with this guy. He'd kill you, uh, you know, he'd kill your kids in front of you to get a false confession. Um, But he, you know, it was, it was just surreal and, and he was he was honestly charming.
0: That's fascinating because I'm, I, I've am i read, you know, I'm, I'm actually fascinated with how human beings submit themselves to tyrannical leadership. It, it's kind of been a side study of mine. And I've read uh, several biographies on Stalin. You mentioned him earlier. And one of the things that these guys that rise to, to tyrannical power all have in common is that they're very dynamic. They're not always nice. Sometimes they're charming, but they're dynamic, and they have a pull and a, almost like a an, a gravitational pull to them. So, oddly, I'm not surprised to hear that he was a charming person despite being as evil as he was.
1: Yeah, he had charisma. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, fascinating. Um,
0: well, now we fast forward to now, and I honestly think our commander in chief is not fit for office. Um, I think there's something wrong with him physically. I'm not saying that to make fun of him. I honestly. You know the whole checking the watch thing when the when they brought the bodies back at Dover, the, the the one father explained that he did it for every single casket that came off. To me, that felt that felt like a physical tick, that was an, 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 an almost an exaggeration of maybe an emotion that he was having where he didn't have time for this, but it was like a tick. You know what I mean? It was to me that was a sign that there's something really um, physically, mentally off with this gentleman that is running our country right now.
1: Well, at a minimum, he he obviously either didn't care or didn't have the wherewithal to understand what he was communicating. I mean, I think most of us would say, you know, you don't look at your your phone in a meeting. You know, right. you, you're at the dinner table with a wife. You know, you don't you don't sit there and just look at your phone. Right. It, it communicates something. Well, when you're at a memorial where dead Americans are being brought, you know, in flag draped coffins, you don't look at your phone. Right. I mean, you don't look at your watch. You don't look at, you, you focus on that moment. And and even let's assume for a second that he didn't care at all. It, you know, you got to be smart enough not to do something that ridiculously stupid. Right. I, I mean, so I think you're, a, I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm confirming your, uh, your conclusion yeah. that there's something off.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. We're talking with Congressman Mark Green here from Tennessee. Um, so as this unfolded, you you having fought in the war on terror, um, I'll say this before we get into the details of it. I, I honestly feel like, I honestly feel like I'm wor- I'm worried about some of our veterans because you know I, I talked to a special forces friend of mine, who I, we had lunch one day and and this was some couple years ago and and he said you know Leland he said the thing that people don't understand about especially special forces, you know in particular is that one day they're ordering a cheeseburger with their six-year-old daughter in a McDonald's, and the next day they're in theater shooting people in the face. And he's like, that sort of whiplash is sometimes difficult to deal with. Now, you you take that and you add to that not just special forces, but all of our military, having seen what was accomplished in 20 years melt away like this, I'm very worried about our, our veterans,
1: I think that's very valid, and I can – well, I shouldn't say I think. I know that's valid. We've had multiple calls into the office. I've had friends call me. I've talked to people off the ledge, and I know that uh, Mike Walls from Florida has done the same, where we were on the phone with a guy – I was on the phone with a guy for 45 minutes saying, no, this has value. This we, we protected America for 20 years. You know, your sacrifice, your friends' sacrifice. Because just imagine if you did come back with something like post-traumatic stress and you're suffering I mean you're hurting and you're and you you know are trying to get that treated and let's say the VA is failing you and then boom you get hit with the fact that it's done all you know there are many of them struggling with whether or not it was all worth it and the pain was worth it and so um you know I I I am with an organization called Reboot Recovery uh, was on their board early on um hugely supportive of that organization they're now nationwide and they they have seen a massive increase in their chat volume and in their phone volume.
0: Yeah, that that really disturbs me because, you know, I've never been a fan of nation building. Um, I think there were other ways that we could have and should have handled this. I think Trump was on the right track with a conditions based withdrawal. He had a good plan in place and. Um, and, and I want to talk about that in just a second. But ultimately, the the guys and gals that went over there and sacrificed what they sacrificed, they were stopping terrorism from being on our own shores, especially in the yeah. last four years. And so there's, there's no way we can minimize that. Um, but let's let's jump now into, and we're talking with Congressman Mark Green, let's jump now into this particular situation. Trump did have a plan. My understanding, Congressman Green, was that that he had a an organization there there was an organization of people that would go in and do logistics from the state department when we had to pull people out of situations that were hot zones quickly trump liked that idea he created an organization within that organization that was designed to help with logistics for this particular situation my understanding is that he disbanded not he didn't disband it that that biden disbanded that somewhere around april is that true
1: So some of that information is a little bit classified. I mean, I I will just tell you this, that Joe Biden did not stop the Taliban when they broke the agreement. Um, And he did uh, do away with organizations that were set up to facilitate the withdrawal. And that's that's about all I want to say about that. But I, I will tell you that Trump interrupted the withdrawal three times, bombed the Taliban back into compliance. And then continued with the withdrawal. As soon as Biden was in office, the Taliban continued to push the envelope and Biden never once responded. So it's like a child that never gets disciplined. It just kept pushing the envelope. And before long, they completely took over the country, which is completely opposite of what the agreement. The agreement was a power sharing agreement where both the Taliban and the local government were going to be in charge. They were they were going to share power. And the Taliban just said, "Oh, okay, well, let's just take over the whole country." Right. And Joe Biden did nothing—not a single thing. And it's so bad. I mean, it, you know, the issue with Kabul when they when they collapsed into the Kabul airport, we could get into the you know, why Kabul versus Bagram and all of that. But uh, that was a bad decision. But the but here they are in Kabul, and they give the city to the cal- Taliban, and then they say, "Okay, well, you run the checkpoints," and and then they find out, "Oh, well." No, they're not letting Americans through the checkpoints. Right. Well, go seize the checkpoints.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I mean, the Taliban's breaking the agreement again. Right. You know, go kill every guy with a rifle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I think from a thirty thousand foot view that that right there is the picture that people need to understand in terms of the difference between the Biden approach to this and the Trump approach to this. You can pull out of a situation like this and not have total collapse. You can pull out of a situation like this with our special forces capability and have the Taliban know full well that if they break an agreement, even if we're not physically in the country, they shouldn't be able to sleep well at night. But like you said, these these guys figured out that Biden wasn't going to do anything.
1: That's right. They just, they, they pushed the envelope, they got away with it and they kept pushing and now they own the country and oh, by the way, eighty-five billion million worth of uh, military equipment.
0: Yeah. And 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 also set up to get money from us, because apparently that seems to be the approach that the Biden administration is going to take is uh, we're going to pay you to behave as opposed to we're going to kick your ass if you don't behave. You know what I mean? And it's like that doesn't well, work.
1: That's the Democrat way. Right. I mean, it, they want to defund the police. They, the problem with Democrats is they don't understand there are tigers in the world. This is the Neville Chamberlain mentality, mm-hmm. and it and it is firmly rooted in the Democrat Party. Go back to Carter and detente with the Soviet Union. Bill Clinton, we get a bloody nose in Somalia, and what does he do? He he starts flying a deed around, and 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 the next thing you know, we're running away from Somalia. Uh, you got Barack Obama and. Benghazi, you got Barack Obama and Biden in 2011 with Iraq, just a rapid withdrawal that led to ISIS, which required us to go back in there and retake ground we'd already, you know, had control of. Um, and now you got, you know, this guy, well, the uh, the Iran deal, another example of just paying people.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, they, they have no concept of how to treat an enemy because they don't I guess they just don't see enemies.
0: It's insane. It really is. It's, and, and there's a, a thinking that that it's all carrot, no stick. And that's dangerous in a dangerous world. What did you make of I thought it was kind of interesting that Jen Psaki, the now White House press office commander, you know, she she basically tweeted out over Trump's phone call back, you know, in the day when they were trying to impeach Trump. She was like, hey, we want transparency here. Went the transcript. Now a transcript's been leaked of a phone call between Biden and then president of Afghanistan where Biden seems to acknowledge, despite what he told the American people on July 8th, that, yeah, it's probably going to fall apart, but we need you to lie. Yeah. I, I'm astounded by that transcript, not not just because he seemed to be lying to the American people, but because he seemed totally comfortable with the concept of lying to the people to get what you want out of a situation and, and sharing that with what supposedly was going to be our ally in, in Afghanistan.
1: Yeah, and the only purpose of it was for political gain, right? I mean, there was no... There was no operational value in the deception. I mean, the, the deception is political gain. And, and I, I could say uh, blatant lies or a president that has no concept of what's going on. Right. So either, either one of two scenarios, either he's absolutely a pathological liar and can't tell the truth, or he has no clue what's going on around him. And both cases warrant his removal. Yeah. Do do you worry
0: though if they because because I I get that um you hear a lot of talk about impeachment you hear some talk about the twenty fifth amendment which is probably the more frankly apropos angle on this yes yeah, so I agree that's um, what I've been pushing yeah and it, but my only concern is this okay and and not saying I disagree with it because if the guy's not capable the guy's not capable and and that needs to be remedied the problem is you know then there's President Harris <laughs> you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I hear that argument all the time. My guys are like, you know, her her value to, to Biden is is that he, he can never get impeached because she's who follows behind. I mean I've heard that uh argument, but it, it we can't let that be the reason to yeah, keep right. a guy around who just committed the greatest foreign policy debacle in probably the history of the country. I mean, our best ally in the world is the United Kingdom. I mean, this is probably the, the the greatest foreign policy debacle in the history of the country, or okay. one one right. of the greatest, right? right? You have a member of parliament on the floor of the House of Commons calling the president of the United States shameful and saying that the United Kingdom has to find a way to become independent of the United States. Wow. That is tragic.
0: Right. Wow. And you got to think that the rest of NATO is thinking the same thing right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation this morning with uh, a conference going on in Germany right now. I mean, it was, you know, this morning when I got back to Tennessee, I I dialed into Germany and I'm talking to 30 people from NATO uh, and, and trying my best to convince these people that this is one individual in a horrible place for him and for our country, but that we Americans, the vast majority of us value this relationship.
0: Does the cabinet have to invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment? Is that where it has to come from, or is it the Congress?
1: It's the the cabinet has to do the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Now, you know Pelosi during Trump, I think, and, and we joked about it, but she tried to pass some legislation that would give that power to the Congress. Uh, that that would that would be unconstitutional. Yeah, that,
0: that wouldn't work well.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. Yeah, so. we
0: make it political, which we don't want. Um, right. That being said. There were that this transcript was leaked from somebody in the White House. Do you think there are people inside his inner circle that are concerned enough that we might see something like that happen?
1: That's hard to say, because I don't have a lot of relationships inside the cabinet personally. And I I have Democrat friends. Well, I I won't say friends, but I have Democrat colleagues who who I like former um, Army Ranger Crow Congressman Crow. Yep and guys like that that are like shaking their head and very angry at the situation. Um, you know, those guys say the same things we're saying, but then you get them in public and and they won't say it. So it's, it's really hard to know whether they'll ultimately do the right thing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And you're not the first Congressman who has told me that Democrats behind the scenes, are saying the same things that you guys are saying in public. So that's an interesting thing. All right, before I let you go, what's the way out? I mean, you've been there, you've done that. You you have to have an ability to look at this from a strategic standpoint and say, is there any way America can save face from this? Is there any way out where we can restore our standing with our allies and somehow salvage this situation and, frankly, stop a what I think is an imminent terrorist attack on our soil?
1: So the, the, the last part first, and then I'll, I'll tell you how we what we've got to do next. The, the, the last part first is absolutely we're mo- way more at risk today, particularly not only because of this crisis in Afghanistan, but but the crisis that this president has created at our southern border. We're, I mean, we're catching terrorist watch lists people come across. Uh, it, it, is, it is an open border, and it's just too easy for one of these terrorists to climb on an airplane a lot, lot of Mexico or, or Panama and make the trek and come into the United States. So, uh, way, we're way worse off. And so is Europe, um, because of the, the immigration the migration, that's going to be forced from the region, et cetera. What we have to do is find a way to set up at that over the horizon that actually works, um, and I you know, I wrote an article suggesting Northwest India because it does two things that it, it puts us a lot closer and <laughs> it it pushes uh, Pakistan in a box. Mm. They you know, they got an issue with with India, so I mean we have we, we have to be very careful there, but um, the stands don't seem to want to let us in there. I mean right. Blinken had an opportunity to negotiate that and failed. I mean they failed to to, to seize that opportunity to get an airfield so that we can have some over the horizon, you've got to be able to put pressure. And what we really need to be able to do is is to bomb, find a reason to bomb the Taliban, to show the world that we really are going to try our best to keep them from uh, harboring terrorists.
0: Well, I don't think we'll have to find a reason. I think they'll give us one before long. But No,
1: yeah, that, that's right.
0: <laughs> but, you know, that's actually kind of an insightful comment when you talk about India, because I was reading an article the other day about the, you know, sort of the Pacific, Pacific sphere. And it, China doesn't like India very much, and India doesn't yeah. like China very much. I, I could see maybe it being smart for us to make that alliance where we strengthen our Pacific allies, Japan, South Korea, um, also uh, Australia. Because Australia is very concerned about some of what China is up to. So there's sort of a potential axis there that we could develop if we were thinking long-range enough. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't know if that's possible with Americans. You know, I don't, I don't think we actually think long range enough. Um, but many
1: of us do, many of us do, but, but again, you know, as we talked about earlier with the Democrats, they just don't get foreign policy. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I, I, and I talked to some pretty smart guys on foreign policy and, and and they agree with me. India is the key. um, We need alliances as the world emerges from this unipolar moment going into a bipolar moment. And those alliances in the Pacific Rim and Indo-Pacific are critical, and India is is central to that. The largest democracy in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, very fascinating. Listen, Congressman, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, have a great day, and thanks for having
0: me. All right, you too. Bye-bye. My favorite part of that interview was his discussion of Saddam Hussein. I'm fascinated by that stuff. What an interesting set of experiences that congressman had. He also had very good insight on that whole Pacific theater thing. I thought that was very interesting. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks to Louisville Cabinets of Countertops for being a part of our program. We appreciate them so much. More than words can tell. I'm not the only one, though. If you go and look at their Google reviews, Kathy says, I worked with Tim and his team on the kitchen remodel, and I couldn't be happier. I'd use them again if I had another kitchen bath project. Steph said, excellent product and fantastic service after the sale. Would definitely do business with this company again. Guys, you know I love SAS. Service after the sale. It really makes the difference. And uh, by the way, I got service after the sale when I was a customer of Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Otherwise, I wouldn't be telling you about them. If you're going to redo your kitchen, this is the place to go. 502-930-3304. George, Kelly, Michelle, the on-staff designers are ready to help your dream kitchen come true. I want you to imagine for a second. Standing in your kitchen, sniffing that great first cup of coffee in the morning as you get ready to go to work and looking around and going, this is my home. I love this, right? I want you to imagine that because that can be yours. LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. You can check out some of their work. Examples are on the website. If you are a do-it-yourselfer, they've got cabinets in stock. High quality, super great selection of styles and colors, affordable and ready to go. Um, but if you want to turnkey kitchen remodel, that whole thing, that dream kitchen, they can take care of that for you too. Again, it's 502-930-3304, Louisville cabinets and countertops.com or 6200 hit lane right there in Louisville, Southern Indiana, Odom County, Louisville. This is your place. Get it done. It's what I did. I'm sure it helped my house sell in less than a day because it was so beautiful. Great work. Big thanks to you, our listeners. You can download us on iHeartRadio. Apple Podcasts and Google Play please share with your friends please give us a five star review that helps spread the word and uh, also thanks to Dynamics Audio Productions dxaudio.com for their help they're based in Lexington, Kentucky they help us with the audio side of this program and again you can follow me on Twitter it's at Leland Show and on Instagram it's at Greatly Londo Twitter for the the, uh, podcast is at Zone Disruption and at The Disruption Zone thank you all for listening I'm Leland Conway The Disruption Zone